and welcome to the DMB Report podcast for April 2017. I'm your host Dan Bennett. As always, joined with me with my uh, with my partner in crime, so to speak, David Dorsey. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Dan, we're doing well. Uh, it's been seems like forever since we've been able to talk about football, so I'm really excited to get this uh, season going. Talk about some spring games uh, and uh, just basically be talking football again. Absolutely. And one of the things I know we want to focus on today and what we're going to talk about during this podcast is uh, University of Georgia uh, and their G-Day game and go over the spring game and kind of get your thoughts on that as well as, you know, what we anticipate for the new year and things upcoming in uh, Kirby Smart's second year. You know, Dave, one of the interesting things about Kirby going into this coaching uh, second year of coaching is that He's always going to be associated, good, bad, or indifferent, in some respects, to Nick Saban because of how long they worked together, how long he was under him, all the success he had. And I'm curious to kind of get a thought on this before we get into the players in the game of what your take is. You know, year one from year two for Saban, they went from a seven-win team to a 12-win team. And what I'm curious about is are the Georgia fans – I'm not saying that Georgia's going 12 – you win 12 games, maybe they do. But I know the anticipation for many of the fan base is going to be, hey, we expect uh, obviously increased win total and, and see some, you know, get some victories uh, that they should beat over lesser opponents as well as good opponents uh, coming into the next year. So what's your take? What do you think the Georgia fan base is looking forward to this uh, you know, second year coming? Well, Dan, one thing I think we have to start with and remembering is you know, what the Georgia fan base parted with in Mark Richt. And here is a, a coach that was very well liked as a person. He was uh, every year very consistent, nine or ten wins, averaged ten, year, ten wins a season for his tenure there at UGA. And uh, for about the last three or four years, you started hearing the grumblings of, man, ten wins is great, but my goodness, it would be nice to get an SEC championship again. It'd be great to compete for a national championship when you consider all the other teams, Auburn, uh, LSU, Florida, um, Alabama, of course, uh, even Tennessee back in the late 90s. All of these programs right on the, you know, the neighborhood of Georgia have already won a national championship. And so Georgia was willing to part ways with consistent nine or ten wins a year for the hope of what Kirby could bring. So I think we start there and realize that Georgia fans are not interested in, in winning nine or ten games every year. If they were, and that was enough, they would have kept Mark Rick, a guy everybody liked, uh, obviously a great ambassador for, for the uh, sport of college football, but they wanted more. So to answer your question, I think we've got to start with, if you're asking me what I think fans are expecting, I think they're expecting uh, an appearance in the SEC championship with a chance to win it and make the college football playoff. Now, whether that is, is realistic or even you know appropriate to expect that in year two of Kirby Smart, I think to your point they see a guy who was nine years plus under Saban and is bringing a a pedigree of championship after championship after championship, and they expect to see that between the hedges in Athens. And so if you're asking the average Georgia fan, I'd say if Georgia doesn't make it to the SEC championship, at least at the very minimum, they're going to think this was a big disappointment and they're going to start to second guess should we have not made this move in the first place? Well, going into the G-Day game uh, with that perspective and, and watching the game, if you looked at it from an overview, 
and just kind of was watching the game and not really getting detailed on it. Obviously, the most important position that everybody sees on the field is quarterback. And the initial impressions that I've got, you know, just right off the bat, but it was one of those things where, I, you know, you know, you had the two different quarterbacks, you had uh, incumbent starter Jacob Eason, and then the uh, highly touted freshman uh, Jake Fromm. And interesting, it looked like from afar that Fromm had the better game and that Eason kind of struggled a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if that's just more. Now, there's a couple of things with spring games we understand. Uh, defenses are limited. They're doing certain things. Not everything's being installed. They're not going to show a lot to to us really watching for future opponents. But I don't know if that was just more as as Easton was part of the one-on-ones and Fromm was part of really the twos-on-twos. Was Jacobs, Easton's, you know, some of the struggles. Now, he made some good plays, but there were some interceptions and things that we saw last year. Uh, that actually popped up in this game. Do you think it's a, a testament to maybe the defense of Georgia and what to expect from there? Do you think it's more of maybe Eason? That's just who he is as of right now. Uh, it's real early to compare, but it's one of those interesting things. It's, is it really him, or was it more the competition he, he went he went went against, as well as Fromm? You know, Fromm's out there, uh, really got nothing to lose. He's showing off real athletic guy, nice arm, not as nice, you know, not as strong, I guess, as Eason. Um, but definitely you can see more of a impromptu playmaker out of that. And he threw to some great, and I know, I know, you know, the guys, some, uh, some of the wide receivers there, some freshmen as well. But it was just one of those interesting takes on the quarterback duel. Cause you know, last year we watched this game for 2016, Eason came away and you're like, there's no, that guy's the best quarterback on the roster hands down. And it's one of those things this year where it's like, you know, will Fromm give him a run legitimately or, or we're just kind of way off base and we're way too ahead of the game here? Well, I, I remember back to last year, and, and the other thing about these two quarterbacks is their their situations are extremely similar. They're both five-star quarterbacks coming out of high school. Last year during this G-Day game, Jacob Beeson had been an early enrollee, was really still a senior in high school, came out to the G-Day game and, and really lit it up. And, of course, there was a lot of energy in the stadium that day, 93,000-plus, and they were all there really excited to see this Jacob Eason because, again, the people we had coming back, your Bryce Ramsey, uh, excuse me, Ramsey, your uh, Grayson Lambert, were not really exciting anyone. So he comes out on the field, the place goes nuts, and he throws a couple of 40- and 50-yard passes right on the money, and you'd have thought the stadium was going about to come down. So here's a, a kid who still should be a high school freshman, really energized the G-Day game. And I even remember texting you saying, this guy looks like the best quarterback by far. Okay, so fast forward a couple of months. Jacob Eason doesn't start game one, but he comes in in the middle of that game against Carolina, energizes the the, the uh, football team, and they end up winning against North Carolina um, in that kickoff game. And then he never looked back. The problem with Jacob Eason in year one is, yes, he was a freshman going against SEC defenses. And he was coming from a spread offense out in the West Coast, never been under center, always in the shotgun. And you can make some arguments whether, you know, maybe the offensive coordinator, Jim Shaney, should have made some adjustments to better fit uh, Eason's skills. But all that to say, now you have Fromm coming in for this G-Day, another five-star quarterback, coming from a local school here in Georgia, grew up a Georgia fan, always wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. And the problems that we saw with Eason being a freshman, again, come back to Georgia's impatience with the fan base, Fromm comes out, as you mentioned, against the number twos, against a defense that's basically very vanilla, not really showing a lot, and he does look good. 
But the difference in that end is if all of a sudden people are thinking Fromm's going to be the starter next year, you're going to experience a lot of those same growing pains that Eason went through in year one. Now, the difference from what I've heard from the people I know on the inside is Fromm is just one of those it guys. He's the kind of guy that he shows up in the huddle, he shows up at practice, and immediately people want to run through a brick wall for him. That's extremely valuable as a, as a college quarterback. Is it more valuable than the fact that Jacob Eason can throw it 75 yards on a dime and the experience of one year already playing in the SEC? I don't think so yet. So if you ask most people that are in the know, there's no quarterback competition here. Jacob Eason will be your starter on day one. I do think, though, that the fact that Fromm has come in with such fanfare, with such energy, with this reputation of being a really hard worker and a team captain kind of guy, it's only going to make Jacob Eason push harder. If there was a knock on Eason, it might be that you know he's a little bit too laid back. He doesn't command the huddle. He doesn't command, um, you know, have that commanding presence for people to come on, follow me, and we'll do this. Um, I think this is only going to be a good thing. The other thing I think is pretty exciting is Georgia's got both of these guys are their only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now. So if Jacob Eason gets a concussion or he tweaks a knee or something like that, at least Georgia fans feel a lot better about Fromm being able to come in based on what they saw, you know, last weekend. Again, he's not based in SEC full speed, full everything in the toolbox, all the plays, all the stunts, all the blitzes. He hasn't seen that yet. So it'll be interesting if Georgia can get some early leads against some of these early teams and get him some time under center and let's see what he can do against, you know, real Division One football. Well, I think experience definitely. You, you, you can't put a value on that until the season starts. So I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, when I, like I said, when you see it from afar and you kind of just overview it, when, even when you're watching, you're like, hey, what's going on with Eason? But again, uh, you know, when it comes to live bullets and things happening, he's been in the trenches. He knows what's going on. You know, one of the things we mentioned, you and I talked about uh, prior to this is, um, you know, like I said, the defense he was going against. Talking about defensive line. What are you seeing on the defense and just in this game or what, or what you've read and that type of thing that gets you excited about next year? Because they look, from what we're hearing, they're looking a lot better, a lot of returning starters. I'd be interested to get your take on that. Well, you know, this defense uh, was pretty darn good last year. Um, they had a lot of youth on that on that starting uh, 11 on that side of the ball, but then also in that second, you know, depth, that second rotation was very, very young. And you basically only graduated really two people that were, that were, that were game players that would be lettermen, if you will. Okay, so in that two deep on the defensive side, really only two guys were impact players that graduated. So you think about all they've got coming back, and you've got Trenton Thompson, you know, apparently is cleared through all the issues medically from the spring and, and everything that happened there, he's going to be back. Uh, he is set to be an absolute monster on that side of the ball in that defensive tackle position. You've got two outside linebackers in Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy that have got so, so many number of snaps and experience underneath them. They're both super talented, athletic. Uh, you've got two inside linebackers in Rokon Smith, and Natrez Patrick that might be the best linebacking duo in the SEC, and obviously that's saying a lot. And then you've got a secondary that has uh, that has been together for about three years, and now in year two, all of these guys are in year two of Kirby's system. So I think the expectation for this defense this year is through the roof. But let me tell you why I think I might even push even further through the roof is this group of incoming freshmen – Right away, we've seen in the spring, and we saw in the G-Day game where um, a, a graduate transfer 
and then two early enrollees were basically starting on the number one defense in the G-Day game. Now, again, this was a spring scrimmage. Maybe Kirby was sending a message to some of the, the returning guys. But what you see out of guys like uh, D'Angelo Gibbs and Richard LeCount is very, very good athleticism and ball-hawking skills in the back end of the secondary. And then you bring in some other bodies in the front seven that can rotate in. And, you know, the, the knock on Georgia's defenses over the years are they, they get worn down. And Alabama saw this against Georgia in the 2012 SEC championship where Alabama was finally just able to wear Georgia's front seven down, pound the ball, pound the ball. This defense is so deep and so loaded and with such great athletes on the back end, you're actually going to start to see a defense that looks like some of the ones Kirby had at Alabama. The talent is unbelievable. The depth is unbelievable. And I don't think that's any kind of a far stretch to think this defense got a chance to finish in the top five defenses in this coming year. So when you ask me what I see, I see a defense that is poised to do some great things in 2017. The question is, can they come through? Can they deliver on this promise? They're all the potential in the world, all the athleticism, all the recruiting stars. They've got super depth, plenty of people to rotate in. No reason in my mind they can't get it done and be elite and elite defense for Georgia this coming year. Well, if that's the case, then uh, Bulldog fans should get excited because if you've got a good defense, especially some of the past Kirby Smart defenses uh, back in his Bama days, they will always keep you in games uh, really no matter who you're playing. So that's definitely something exciting uh, that Georgia fans should be looking forward to. And hopefully it'll come to fruition here in the fall. So let's switch to the other side of the ball on offense. We already talked quarterback. We know what Georgia has in running back. I'd be interested to hear your take if you saw anything from some of the younger guys that played. But we know we got uh, Michelle and we got um, you know Chubb, Chubb, Nick Chubb playing. We know who the starters are going to be. What are some of the things that the offensive line is obviously a, a big thing thing you've got to have a good line on both sides of the ball you've talked about the defensive line georgia has had struggles in the past on the offensive line side of the ball what are you seeing with this team so far at the during this game or just what you've uh, read about well i think that as we just talked about and you very you know poignantly mentioned that when you've got an elite defense if you can couple that with the ability to run the football i mean that's the alabama recipe right the ability to play awesome defense, hold people to 12, 13 points or less a game, and then have a running game that is anchored by an offensive line that is big and massive and physical, and they want to run the ball down your throat. That is the Alabama recipe straight out of the textbook. Well, that's what I see when I look at Georgia. Maybe not to the same degree with the offensive line yet, but we are now starting to see an offensive line that is going to rival some of those that Alabama has had over the years in size. And that is a true testament to Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach that Kirby hired away from Arkansas. We, and we all know about Arkansas's reputation with offensive linemen and running the ball. They've had some of the best running games over the last 10, 15 years. Sam Pittman has obviously proved himself as a tremendous recruiter. And I'll give you one kind of stat that is just remarkable to think about it. And I saw back in the recruiting season when, when National Signing Day was done, they showed a stat of the starters for Georgia in 2016 on the offensive line, height and weight. And then they showed the five offensive line signees that Sam Pittman and Kirby Smart were able to sign this year. And there was only one guy, I'm sorry, six guys on the offensive line that, that they included in the JUCO transfer that they were able to sign. Only one of the starters for Georgia in 2016 
was was bigger. In other words, weighed more or was tolerating weighed more emphasis on the weight. Only one of the starters in 2016 was larger than the smallest guy that they had just recruited. So think about that for a second. So now part of the knock on Georgia's offensive line, they get they get beat up, they get blown back at the point of attack. They're not aggressive enough at that point of attack. Well, when you look at the beef, all over 300 pounds and over six feet three, Georgia is now changing the paradigm from a more quick uh, zone type of running offensive line into more of a get in the eye formation, lead, power, and blow you back four, five, six yards of carry. And when you've got people like Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and now this offensive line, and I'll, I'll sidebar and give you one other thing, the offensive line for the ones at the G-Day game, uh, in my opinion, had three starters that will, uh, three of those starters will actually be starters in the fall. The other two guys will come from people that aren't even on campus yet. And so when you're talking about it, having two guys, and they look pretty good in the spring, maybe not in the G-Day game because they were throwing it around all over the place. They threw it 60 times in the G-Day game. But you've now got, seven, uh, I think, 16 total scholarship players on the offensive line, and that's something that Mark Rick never had. And it was a criticism that Rick faced over and over was he doesn't recruit enough offensive and defensive linemen. He gets way too many skilled players. Georgia would have 20 wide receivers and they'd have 12 offensive linemen, 10 offensive linemen, and you'd have walk-ons in your two and three deep. Well, no longer is that the case. So what I expect out of this offensive line and out of Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle is 100-yard games left and right. Georgia's going to continue to commit to run the ball. They're going to play action pass with Eason, throwing the ball deep, taking some shots deep. And I expect to see an offensive line that is much bigger and more physical than we've seen in the previous two to three years at Georgia, certainly over the line that we had last year. Well, it's going to be – that'll be a welcome change. And it doesn't matter on the formation of what the offense does and the motion and what you do before the snap. But you and I know both agree that you've got to run the ball, no matter how you do it, and not give up on the run. But you also got to have the people to do it. That'll be exciting for Georgia fans. I know, you know, if, if they can get that together and be able to use those big uglies up front to set up that for the play action pass, passing game from uh, Eason, most likely, or from or whoever's playing. But as you know, running the ball sets up everything. If you can run the ball, you can be successful doing everything else on offense. And so it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. One of the interesting takes, uh, before we wrap up here, Dave, one of the interesting takes, and you saw this on the watch on the SEC network is that they had um, celebrity uh, referees. And one of the celebrity referees they had was uh, Greg McElroy, Alabama quarterback, New York Jets quarterback, who's on the SEC network and uh, Sirius uh, College FM radio. He said something, I was listening in the car today, and he said something very interesting, that when he was on the field working uh, the game, so to speak, he noticed that this year's crop of Georgia players were legit players, like get-off-the-bus-looking-good type players. Not all of them, but a lot more than what has been in the past. They always talk about looking good on the sidelines, looking good in the uniform, or looking good getting off the bus, which you know basically means these guys are legit. Size-wise, they look like they could just destroy somebody, or they're great football physiques. And uh, he was very impressed with just in the short time with just the strength and conditioning coach of Georgia, uh, how they've transformed some of these bodies in the last few months, especially the guys that have been there uh, under the program for this will be their second year going into it, that Georgia's on their way, at least 
by looks where they are really going to make a run in the SEC. So it, it's an interesting take there. I thought thought I'd mention that to you. Well, I, I think that it it's funny you mention that because um, when Jeremy Pruitt came to Georgia two years ago as a defensive coordinator, you know, he came from uh, Alabama originally and then went to Florida State and then came to Athens to be the defensive coordinator. And one of the things, and you know, everybody that knows Coach Pruitt knows that he does not hold back with his opinions. He was world famous in, in Athens at least, or I guess maybe Athens famous for his comment about the indoor lack of an indoor facility in Athens. And he made a comment to the, to the newspaper or the reporters and 12 months later, George got an indoor facility. So I mean, he, he is used to speaking and people listening. One of the comments I heard him say one time was he was, and it was an off the record type of thing, but he was shocked when he got to Athens and saw the difference in the overall size and strength between what he was used to in Athens and Florida State, I'm sorry, in Alabama and Florida State, and when he got to UGA. And he wasn't impressed in, in, a, in a good way. He was amazed that it was lacking. So when you say somebody like Greg McElroy, who obviously had been in Alabama, he's been around the SEC now a couple of years as a, as a, a reporter, a journalist, and has seen firsthand what SEC championship caliber athletes look like, for him to notice that, just further gives the example. And it really started in the last year of Rick when Pruitt came in, and I think he put a real emphasis on, hey, we are not going after guys that are big and strong enough. And one of the things that curb, and, and you may remember in the last two years at Georgia, they had several changes in their strength and conditioning coaches. They had they fired some guys that had been there forever and had been strength and conditioning coaches for 30 years, and they brought in uh, a younger group, one of which was a guy who had, um, who had been under Cochran over at Alabama and Mark Hawk. He was a, a, an assistant coach under Cochran at Alabama. And that was kind of the beginning of where Georgia realized they've got to do things a little bit differently. They've got to train differently and come into the 21st century when it comes to strength and conditioning. So now you see um, you know, the staff they have now, coupled with the recruiting efforts, again, that Kirby has brought from Alabama and going after and not being afraid to go after these five-star national guys. So it doesn't surprise me at all that McElroy would make a comment like that, and it only bears well for Georgia that other people, unbiased people, not biased like me, but unbiased people realize the culture and the attitude and the physique and impressiveness of the Georgia football team is improving in a good way. And you're right, that does bode very well for Georgia fans. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the fall how this all translates. I, I definitely think the future's bright. I mean, uh, Kirby's got him in the right direction. It, it's one of those things where it's going to be a fine line this year of, you know, taking the next step. And, you know, maybe the win-loss total, depending on the schedule, doesn't reflect it. I think it will. I think Georgia will definitely compete for the East, and we'll have our predictions closer to the uh, during that time. But uh, real interesting take. I appreciate uh, you being with me, buddy. And, um, you know, it should be exciting fans, excuse me, exciting times for uh, Georgia fans because definitely things are heading in the right direction. And uh, the G-Day game is just a nice start to the uh, to the next year and, and getting us all uh, interested in some more college football, which I know we all uh, know and love. Well, Dan, I, I couldn't agree. I think that uh, Georgia fans have been lacking in something to get really excited about for some time. And I do think that 2017 is going to be one of those breakthrough years. Uh, getting the SEC championship, and then, of course, if you make it there, you know, you certainly can compete in the national championship. So good things ahead this year for the dogs. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. We want to thank everyone for listening today. 
Uh, please visit us uh, anytime at dmbreport.com. We're all over Twitter, Facebook, the social media sites. Come check us out. Uh, with that, until next time, uh, make every day a championship day. <laughs>